Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you rely on the internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible X-Fi gateway. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Everyday grab-and-go, everyday giftable, everyday fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch, no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick with this week's Know Your Foe episode for the Cincinnati Bengals entering week 17. Got a great guest today who joined us for the first game. He's going to join us for what is a very different Bengals outlook right now. Matt Minnick, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? 
I can't complain at all. Really loved your first episode uh, and I uh, want to make sure we get you on again uh, at least once per year going forward, but appreciate you doing this one on short notice. Uh, obviously, a lot has changed for the Bengals since the last meeting. Uh, the biggest thing being Joe Burrow's absence. A uh, couple different quarterbacks, each has had success, some success in their own way. Uh, maybe tell us about some of the big changes as the season has evolved. Yeah, so the, the biggest change is obviously Joe Burrow. Um, and, you know, as a from the Bengals' point of view, you know, the, the the first Ravens game was the first time that Joe Burrow looked like a rookie in my eyes. You know, the first game, he's, you know, a little bit of kind of feeling himself out, the first game against the Chargers. Uh, but in that Ravens game and then in the first matchup with the with the Steelers, you know, those are situations where the, the defense was throwing more at him than he was he was comfortable with. And and you could definitely see it, and, and that he was you know feeling the pressure and, and feeling the adjustment to the NFL in those games. So I was really looking forward to seeing those matchups in the second half of the season, and how Burrow was able to adjust. And, and obviously, that, you know, a big part of that is coaching and, and preparing him for those situations. But I really wanted to see what he could do the second time around against both these teams. So obviously. Uh, very disappointing that that we don't get to see that um, this time around. With you know, in terms of uh, the Steelers' second matchup, you know, we got to look at that without Burrow, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, down to down to Ryan Finley in that game, um, and you know, we did see them them step up and have, have uh, you know a very good game plan and, and and figure some things out, and that was not a stellar offensive performance. Uh, but the defense played very well, and the offense was able to kind of grind it out and figure out some things that Ryan Finley running the ball uh, in order to to get the win in that game. Uh, so definitely saw some steps forward uh, from a coaching perspective, and and you know from a you know team figuring out how to how to do things to perspective. Uh, but really wanted to see Burrow matched up uh, against at least one of these top defenses again this year and, and, and unfortunately we didn't get that so Burrow's the the, the huge loss uh, but without Burrow uh, you know the defense has has stepped up uh, and for the most part played pretty well uh, last week was it was an exception uh, Deshaun Watson definitely gave them some fits but fortunately the offense was uh, was really clicking last week and, and they came away with that win Um but uh, overall, I mean, yeah, really, the defense has is, is, is picked it up. And they've kind of started to play better complementary football and, and really feed off of each other over these last couple of weeks. That against the Steelers, the offense wasn't playing very well. Uh, but the defense played lights out. And they gave them some opportunities. They created some turnovers. Uh, and, you know, that, that, that helped the team come forward and win the game, uh, even with the, the limitations at the quarterback position and, you know, not being able to be extremely successful offensively. And, you know, turn it around a week later, they, they traveled to, to Houston on a short week. And, you know, against the Texans, uh, the, the defense struggled, especially in the second half. Uh, but the offense was able to score points and keep scoring points. The Bengals' offense, um, they had not scored a touchdown in the third quarter uh, since the Jacksonville game. I believe that was October 4th. That's a long time. Yeah, that's a long time. I'll tell you, and, and, I'll tell you uh, what, Matt, we're going to come back and talk about the offense. I have to leave space for a reader here. We'll be back in just a, just a minute. 
All right. Now you're mentioning this Bengals offense not having any third quarter success in a in a long time. We've heard that from the Steelers also. Now it's 31 straight first initial drives of the game without a touchdown. Yeah, it's been a, a kind of a weird thing because a lot of people talk about well they're not making halftime adjustments and personally. I don't think halftime adjustments are really a thing in the NFL. Um, I, I think, to me, halftime is an opportunity that you can get the whole team together and, you know, maybe you can get their minds right. You can kind of fix them emotionally, you know, create, hey, we're getting our butts kicked. Like, we need to get it together and kind of remind them of the of, of the goal and the things they need to do in that way. But I don't think schematically you're really getting anything uh, on halftime, you got to remember. Like I, I, I used to coach college football. College football mm-hmm. halftimes, you can get a lot done because uh, I mean you've got forever. There's like the bands playing. You know, there's, <laughs> it's like a, it's like a thirty minute halftime sometimes with, with, with some of those things. Uh, those halftimes are, are super long. NFL halftimes. I mean, as fans, we barely have a chance to go to the bathroom. Uh, you know, and I'm talking about at home, you know, much less in the stadium. So I don't think, really think that you, you accomplish that much, but it, it does go to in-game adjustments. You know, those are adjustments that should be happening earlier. Um, and honestly, you can take another step back and see that they haven't done particularly well in, uh, towards the end of the second quarter either. You know, not a lot of, uh, you know, not a lot of scores really in like a, in a two minute drill sort of scenario, uh, somewhere where the defense struggled early in the year for the for the Bengals as well. So, um, you know, they've got to do a better job of, of making some of those adjustments on the fly. I think against the Texans, for the most part, things were were, were working, and they they just kind of had to come along with it, and, and things had to start clicking. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's definitely you know, because looking at that game, they didn't really make any any major changes at at that point. You know, Zach Taylor is a is a first time head coach. I mean, second year, but first time head coach, and I think that's something that to be able to be the head coach, but also be able to make those adjustments on the sideline uh, in between drives. I think that's that's even more. You know, to to put on a on a young coach to be able to do that. How much exactly yeah, he leans on Callahan to do those things, we don't really know. Uh, but I need to unpack something you're saying here. Yeah, just go ahead. for a minute, because the Ravens this last week, the Ravens Giants game, and if you're looking for recent Ravens things to try and analyze how the Bengals are going to attack that, one of the most stark changes from first to second half in terms of the pass rush you'll ever see. Uh, they 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 rushed a bunch of fours. They rushed one seven man rush in the first half. Did have an incomplete pass on that. The second half, eleven times of only fifty nine times they've done it all season. Uh, they had 18 pressure events in the second half, zero in the first half. It was the most utterly (laughs) big difference. I'm hearing you talk about, you know, no halftime changes. It it can happen. The really good coordinators, I believe, still can do it. And some of the really good coordinators even wait to halftime because they don't want the opponent to talk about it and say and, and have the counter counter ready to go if they show it the last three plays of the first half, say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, that, that, that's a great point. I, I just, I believe that those conversations are happening a lot more on the sideline than, than anything else. Um, just again, timing wise, I, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I actually did the math on it uh, and, and kind of went through and looked through some, some research on it. And you, you've got basically did the same amount of time between drives on average in the NFL as you do at halftime. 12 minutes, roughly. Yes. Yeah. It, it was, yeah, it was right in there. So it was like, um, 
Again, you're not. I mean, with your travel time, walking in and out of the locker room, you know, you don't really have a have a ton more time there. I do think that, especially if your your head coaches is heavily involved in those things, you know, for the Bengals, that could be a, a factor because, you know, in certain situations, obviously Zach Taylor is going to have to be involved with what's going on with the defense and 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 knowing what's up with them. Um, but yeah, just in general, I, I, I feel like those things are, are happening more on the sideline than they are in the locker room in the, in the NFL. Okay, so let's get back to the offense a little bit. Brandon Allen, probably the biggest change for the uh, Bengals. So they've had other big changes as well with the loss of Joe Mixon. Tell, tell us, starting with Allen, what does he bring to an offense? Not a rookie. A lot of people think maybe this guy hasn't been around, but he's been around the league for several years now. Uh, what does he bring to the offense? Yeah, he's he's been around, and oddly enough, uh, about the same time Finley was starting some games for the Bengals last year, Brandon Allen was starting some games for for the Denver Broncos, and um, had a little bit of success in there. Um, look, going into this offseason, it was a big it was a big thing last offseason. Bengals fans wanted a veteran backup quarterback, you know, and, and there, you a lot of people wanted that the mentor uh, or, or just to have somebody solid. Um, personally, I don't, I don't know how much value there is to the backup quarterback position, uh, when you're, when, when you don't have the team yet, you know, I, I think, you know, when you've got the the pieces around, um, that can, that can win with a backup quarterback in there, um, it definitely has some value, but when you're, when you are rebuilding, when you're, when you have a lot of needs, uh, on the offensive line, on the defense, uh, I really feel like it's it's kind of a luxury to have a, a backup quarterback. So I wasn't that concerned with it. And, and honestly, I think that the the Bengals looked at it kind of the same way and said, hey, we've got Finley. He started some games for us last year. We don't really want to have to teach somebody else or spend uh, cap. the system. We, we want to be focused on on Burrow. And we're not – I mean, honestly, they, they stated this too, that they weren't – they weren't really even giving Finley reps, you know, like, like even, even for a backup quarterback, he was getting far less reps uh, than you, you normally do. So I think it was kind of just a, this guy's done it before. Maybe we can survive that in a pinch sort of scenario. Uh, due to COVID-19, uh, look, the Bengals don't get, the Bengals take a lot of, uh, a lot of heat for some of the decisions they make and some of the blunders they've had with, different trades they've let fall through, how they dealt with the Andy Dalton situation, things along those lines. Uh, the Bengals have been really smart about, about COVID-19. And one of the things they did was they brought in Brandon Allen and they made him the quarantine quarterback. Mm-hmm. Literally, he was not taking team reps during training camp. He, he was meeting separately from everyone else. He would throw some balls to guys. Uh, Coach was, would like yell at him anytime they saw him anywhere near another player in practice. Uh, so they did everything short of, of putting this guy in a bubble uh, to try and know that they had a healthy quarterback. And honestly, I looked at it and I was like, okay, well, he's really the back of quarterback because mm-hmm. you see what he, what he, what Finley did last year. You see what Brandon Allen did last year. Finley doesn't have a very good arm. And it, and to me, like just looking at the situation from the outside right away, I was like, if something serious happens, it's Brandon Allen. It's, it, you know, they're comfortable with Finley because he's been in there. So in game, I get that he's the backup. Uh, but if something serious happens, they're going to go to Brandon Allen, and and that's what ended up happening. You know, uh, Burrow went out in the in the Washington game. Finley came in. Uh, Allen was inactive. Uh, Allen actually, fun fact, before he started a game for the Bengals, 
had never been to Paul Brown Stadium uh, during a game because of the COVID restrictions for players that are inactive. Uh, so he wasn't even at the stadium the day that Burrow got hurt. Uh, Finley admittedly played poorly, and, and maybe he does get the start the next week uh, if if he uh, plays better in that game. Uh, but they went to they went to Brandon Allen, and you know the difference between those guys. I, I think uh, Allen has a much stronger arm. Uh, I think he's he's accurate underneath. He can get the ball out there vertically, but I don't think he has great deep ball accuracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, thankfully, the Bengals have some receivers that are, that are pretty good at, at, uh, at coming down with passes like that. Uh, but he actually gives you the ability to, to threaten deep, to be able to throw some deep balls. And they connected on some, uh, some last week that, that definitely helped them out. Some great backup, some great information on the backup quarterback situation. How about we talk about the offensive line? Because that's something where the Bengals were not in uh, complete cohesion, we'll say, the first time around against the Ravens. Where do they stand right now? So we've seen a little bit of improvement in that area uh, lately. I, I really, I think the biggest problem they had was on the interior offensive line, uh, finding really anybody to play guard. Uh, the last time around, uh, Xavier Suofilo uh, was injured. Uh, he is back uh, and has definitely uh, been an upgrade for them at that position. Uh, and they also went out and picked up Quentin Spain. So both those guys uh, – they're better than what they were putting out there before. I, I don't know if necessarily either one of those guys is the future, uh, but they have been able to give it uh, a little bit of stability. At left tackle uh, is the other place where we have a change. Uh, Jonah Williams, who essentially was a rookie this year after missing his entire rookie year, um, suffered another injury uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, that not a not a serious thing. They actually they actually said that he might have been able to play in this game. But, you know, had there been any real implications for it, but uh, he's been out uh, and he's been replaced by Fred Johnson recently, uh, who's a second year second year player. Started actually left at left tackle for them at the end of last year. Um, so doesn't Johnson, have the same athleticism, but a, but a real strong, powerful guy. That background is in as a guard or tackle. Uh, I'm not really talking about college, but at the NFL level, going into this year. You said he played left tackle last year as well, so. Yes. Uh, so he was a, a practice squad uh, guard for the Steelers, and the Bengals swiped him up wow. uh, off, off of that uh, last year. Um, and then he ended up starting at, at left tackle for the the last game and played, played about half of the, the Dolphins game of week, six, uh, week 16 excuse me, uh, at, at left tackle as well. Uh, this year, when the Bengals first had the injury to Xavier Suofilo, they tried him at right guard. It was not good. Uh, they, they did that against the Cleveland Browns in week two. It did not go very well. Uh, he has, in the interim, uh, made some starts at both left and right tackle. Uh, he's definitely, he definitely shows better at, at tackle than he does at guard. All right. Uh, and right tackle right now? Uh, it's, it's, it's Bobby Hart. Uh, Bobby Hart's a guy that he takes a lot of heat online. Uh, honestly, he's had a pretty decent season. Again, not a long-term answer guy, but he has not been—he has not been the force that's been bringing this unit down. Let's just put it that way. All right, fair enough. Uh, he did have a terrible year last year. I remember that. Yes. Uh, uh, but okay, uh, that's that's great. Now the Raven, the the Bengals have had a fair number of issues with injuries on offense. Obviously, Joe Mixon was a big loss. Tyler Boyd was lost last week. Is he expected back? Uh, he is still in the concussion protocol uh, as of Zach, uh, Zach Taylor's press conference today, so un- unknown if he'll be around for this week. All right, that's a big one. Of course, Tyler Boyd had the big catch in 2017 in the game that we shall never speak of again. And 
Otherwise, they they've AJ Green has not really had a good year, I wouldn't say, but he's but he's getting more targets now than he was earlier in the season when we last talked. Yeah, the last couple of games he's he showed up pretty well. Um, you know, not really not really his old self by any means, but uh, he actually had a great uh, catch that converted a third and fourteen uh, just uh, just last week, where he he went up in the air and and it was a contested catch situation. Really looked a lot more like the old AJ than what we're uh, what we've seen this year, but uh, he's been really really uh, effective on uh, especially on like backside slants, off play action, things along those lines. Now he we saw him on the sideline during that Ravens game with emotions that were not necessarily. He was upset clearly of being there, but couldn't really figure out what had happened. Can you add any color to that from way back then? Because the very next week he had eleven targets and then thirteen against Cleveland the week after that. But that second half of the of the Baltimore game is just on the bench. It seemed like, and I couldn't. We and, really never understood why. And there was the clip where, uh, you know, uh, amateur lip readers are are telling us <laughs> that he's saying, uh, tr- uh, "Trade me then." Uh, so not really sure uh, what the what the situation was there. I mean, he definitely was struggling in that game. Um, you know, whether they, you know, they thought they they we're going to do better to not have him on the field or, or what the situation is. I'm, I'm not sure, but, but yeah, he, he has, there haven't been any really long-term um, reaction to that. You know, he, he's, he's gotten back out there and he's, he's honestly for what he's been able to do this season, he's probably gotten too many targets over, over the course of the year. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, I'm not really sure what the, what that scenario is uh, or, you know, uh, if it was just frustration with the game, it was frustration with the team. Uh, if it was frustration with the team, it hasn't really manifested itself in any other way. It's, it's right around that time was the same time that, that uh, things started to go south with uh, veteran Carlos Dunlap, um, who, you know, basically is a, uh, a result of that game or right around the time of that game, you know, they, they didn't believe he was he was doing enough in the run game. So uh, they, they took him out of the lineup for that game and, um he went to social media and <laughs> made, made some noise, and uh, now he's having a good a, a good time over in Seattle. But um, AJ didn't jump on that train with him, so well, uh, good for him. For he's, <laughs> he's signed through the end of this year, so he's maybe playing his last game as a Bengal on Sunday. Do you think there's any chance the Bengals will re-sign him? I doubt it at this point. I mean, he you know he, he's on the franchise tag. He's making eighteen million. Um, he's not going to get that anywhere, but he's certainly not going to get in Cincinnati. So uh, I, I think they're. Uh, I think I think both sides will will be looking to move on after this year. Okay, so it, it being a COVID cap year in 2021, and you see AJ Green has had. You mentioned his product productivity, so this is no secret. But 5.3 yards per target for the year, completely unacceptable over that many targets, or really over any number of targets for a wide receiver. But he's he's a. Uh, a player that probably is going to fall into that group that'll have to play on a one-year prove-it deal. And in his case, I'm thinking maybe at the vet minimum. Do you think he'll adapt to that and be able to accept that for one year, or do you think he'll retire? I I, I don't know. I mean, it's been really frustrating how things have gone with him. You, you know, you don't want to see it end like this. Um, and I, I would think, you know, for any any player like this, he's always been a real class act. Uh, he, he struck me as a guy that would take less money to stay here. Um, you know, never been like a, a never been a me guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that just things haven't worked out with the, with the new staff. I think his, his body's feeling him to some extent. 
I think maybe he's not fighting for some of these balls because he's of the threat of injury and, and what that could mean for his future since he is only a one year on a one year deal. So that might be a bit of a you know a, a business situation there. But um, I mean, I, I would I would hope he can go somewhere and get a chance. I really think it might be. Uh, obviously, Fitzgerald stayed with the same team, but I, I think it might be similar to a Larry Fitzgerald situation where maybe at this point in his career, he's more of a big slot. And I mean, the Bengals have Tyler Boyd, you know, like the, the Bengals have a have a guy in that spot. So he's not really a, a good fit in that type of role. But I, I think in the, the right team, you know, the could could find a, a good fit for him. Uh, and I think if he had an opportunity to get matched up with a quarterback and play for a competitive team, I, I, I think he might go for that, even if it was a little bit less money. Uh, one thing I, I know about Twitter is there's a hundred percent chance that if he's a free agent come the beginning of the league year, there will be literally hundreds of Ravens fans that will say, "Go out and sign him. I don't care what it takes." <laughs> and it's uh, it's funny but that happens a lot. That's if Des Bryant this year got the same treatment, they they end up getting him, and he's similar yards per uh, actually less yards per target. Uh, the been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Okay, so I think we've been through a lot of the offense here. Let's flip over the defense here. Uh, Maybe if you want to talk one more thing about the offense, is how do you think they'll try and attack the Ravens? You know, this is a defense that uh, now has its defensive line largely back. They still have some weakness in the secondary. Do you see them really going after them more with the pass as opposed to the run uh, and what worked against the Steelers? I I mean, it's tough because... You don't know about Tyler Boyd. You know, uh, T. Higgins is is a is a really emerging as a pretty big time playmaker for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, is he going to get is he going to get mirrored? Are they going to look to shut him down? That that's going to be a tough one. And then, as we said, AJ Green's been a little bit limited too. So uh, I don't know if you're really getting the matchups you want there. And then you add in uh, a a Brandon Allen at quarterback. Um, I, I you know I don't know how how uh, many favorable matchups you're getting there and how many situations you're going to like. Um, I would expect a heavy screen game with both Giovanni Bernard and Samaj P. Ryan. Uh, both have, have shown a, a real knack for that. And really like uh, Spain and Sue are pretty athletic guys. You know, they've been, they've been doing a good job of getting out there uh, in front of, of, of those guys and setting some blocks. I mean, uh, there was one drive last week where basically they went down the field on, on, on two screen plays. Uh, so I would expect that. Uh, for the productivity, uh, for use of, of Gio Bernard, but but also in an attempt to to try to mitigate uh, lessen the pass rush of the Ravens as well. As we said, this you know this offensive line isn't great and, and it's beat up, and you know Fred Johnson's probably going to have his struggles to so try and take uh, some of the pressure off of Johnson and, and Hart by running some of those screen plays and trying to slow that down a little bit. In the pass game, I would expect quick passes. I, I think. Uh, 
you know, play action slants. Uh, we'll see a lot about that. I'm really interested to see what's going to happen with the running game because they've run the ball a little bit better recently. Uh, but I think that they're, they're facing a higher level of competition now. So it will be interesting to see what these these new guards uh, in there in, in Spain, Sufilo, what, what some of these guys can do uh, against this Ravens defensive front. Yeah, it's been interesting because the last the last couple of years now, the Ravens have not had the same kind of very low yards per carry. For, for 20-some years, 21, 22 years, the first in the franchise history, they never allowed four yards per carry in a season. And in fact, in 2012, Andy Dalton's kneel down to win the game on the last day of the season actually pulled them down to like 3.994 the <laughs> <laughs> season, which was, which was kind of a cool thing, but, uh, but they never allowed four yards in a season. The last couple of years they have, uh, they haven't had all their players this year active. They do now, but the big thing that's kept the rush out of the Ravens, uh, you know, defensive concerns is the fact the offense has been playing so well that the, the, you know, opponents don't really have a chance to run the ball for very long. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I think the complementary football aspect of things always always gets lost, um, you know, and how those two forces work off of each other. But I, I definitely think when you when you look at the uh, Bengals defensively, uh, you know, as we kind of kind of get into that, uh, Lou Anarumo is taking a lot of heat, and you know, fair enough on, on a lot of it. But this team has some limitations uh, at in terms of pass rushers, just a volume of pass rushers, uh, and and you know having the guys that can really get after the quarterback, and then all year they've been playing without a, a true number two corner. Um, we'll get into that a little bit when we start talking about injuries on the defensive side of the ball. But I I think Lou Anarumo every once in a while puts together a game plan that, that is just money, mm-hmm. um, and and you know the consistency isn't there from the the coaching standpoint. I would I would agree with that, but. Um, I, I thought they did a great job last time around uh, against the Ravens, and you know it, it, they were put into some tough situations. Uh, obviously, one of the one of the Ravens scores was a two play drive after a Bengals turnover, and another one was a defensive score. So you know you take those things out of the equation, and even you know the scoreboard starts to look a little bit more even uh, with, with what you're looking at. So last time around, they ran uh, a four three, uh, which. They had tried to run the previous year. I don't think they really had the people to do it. Uh, I think I, we actually talked about that last time around. I thought they'd probably, probably run more of a 4-3, but uh, they did it. Uh, they actually went with Akeem Davis-Gaither, the rookie, uh, as their third linebacker. And against those those heavier sets uh, with, with the multiple tight ends, with two backs, uh, they had three linebackers in the box. I think after the game, uh, Jim Harbaugh referred to it as a, as a college Four three. Um, I mean, my, that seems a little dated <laughs> to, to me because mm-hmm. most colleges are, are looking at defending the spread nowadays. But uh, but yeah, I mean, they they, they put those guys in the box, um, and I, I think they did a real good job. I, I know Lamar Jackson was hurt the first time around, but I, I you know they were still running some read plays there, and I think the Bengals did a good job of of forcing him to to give the ball in a lot of situations. I, I think that was a, a Part of their game plan was they wanted him to hand off the ball so they didn't have to be another Lamar Jackson highlight reel uh, like they have been in the past. Yeah, it's that's I, I think you're you're right about that in the first game, and in particular, Jackson was dealing with a groin injury for a lot of the season, 
it appears his week off due to COVID may have really helped him recover from that. And his lateral cutting appears better right now. They're using him more with a sidecar than a pistol this year. So with a sidecar, it's usually running back. Usually J.K. Dobbins is the outside threat with the pistol often more often Gus Edwards. And he's the straight ahead threat while Lamar takes the edge and stops that edge defender from crashing as easily or or at least they have to think about about crashing the 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 uh the action in the middle some do some don't depending on how they want to scheme up their other players but i think jackson's groin injury was really uh making him less effective on those read option outside plays he's still been very effective running the ball straight up the middle this year yeah i mean and to me look that's a good group of running backs but jackson's the He's the best athlete on probably any field he walks on, <laughs> you know. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's a it's a smart game plan to try and take that away. And then I, I think they did a good job of uh, of, of flowing to everything else and, and keeping it relatively contained. I, I look at it like it, it's it's one of those offenses that like they're going to get you, you know. And and any type of option style offense, any type of whatever type of quarterback he is, any uh, running, passing, whatever, any type of quarterback who's that dynamic, who's going to touch the ball replay, they're going to get their shots. You know, they're going to, they're going to give it up. And, you know, the days of, uh, you know, like in the early 2000s with the, the that Ravens defense and the Bucks defense that went to the Super Bowls, those, you know, score 13 points on offense and will win the game kind of defenses. I, I just don't think you, that you can do that. Yeah, so um, I think defensively, it, it, it's, it, it becomes more of we're trying to contain things. We're trying to make big plays. Or, excuse me, we're trying to prevent big plays, make plays uh, in the red zone, and get some turnovers. You know, Bengals have, have uh, you know, they actually did play pretty well in the red zone in, the, in that last game. Uh and one of the one of the scores they gave up, they had third and 14 in the, in the red zone, and then they, um, you know, and, and then they gave that up. Uh, so it, it was, they were really close to getting another red zone stop, and, and then they didn't. Yeah, I, I, your 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 evolution of the game discussion has me really harking and want to go on one of my regular soapbox points is that defensive coordinators need to gamble to get off the field. You need to gamble to make big plays because it has become easier and easier and easier to maintain drives under the current rules the NFL is officiated under. You know, you have all of the great receiver rules are, are, are in their favor. Now, all the lowering the helmet crapola, there's way more roughing the passer calls called than when we were kids. Uh, it just everything is different about this game to make it more difficult on the on the offense. And like the baseball in the 1920s, the owners are happy to let the defense, sorry, let the offense run away with it. I, I think I would like to see a more balanced set of rules, which favors some things about playing defense a little bit more than than it does right now. But uh, but we don't have that. And, and given that it changes what a defensive coordinator has to do. You can't stop four down football. And this is why, you know, the great failings without tremendous gambling. So while I think it was the wrong play for Oakland, not Oakland, the Jets, right, to rush eight and let Oakland win that ball game. I understand if if it had happened earlier in a drive with, say, a minute and a half to go, why they might have done it and taken the risk on a, on a play like that. Yeah, de- yeah, definitely. I mean, you've got to be willing to willing to roll the dice a little bit. I mean, I, I think to some extent you want to 
you want to be a little bit safe. You know, they, like giving up big plays versus giving up touchdowns, you know, I, I, I think is a, is a difference. You know, having that one guy back there to be able to uh, have that opportunity because I, I think red zone defense comes into it in a, in a, in a big time way, mm-hmm. especially when you've got the quarterback. You know, and, and I think you look at a, a lot of the Patriots defenses over the years were ranked pretty poorly uh, when you looked at yards, mm-hmm. but they were ranked very well when it came to points. And, and you know, I think you can truly play a, a bend-don't-break defense and play good good red zone defense when you've got a guy that you know is going to score touchdowns. You know, when you're, when you're trading touchdowns for field goals because you got Tom Brady, you can do that. Right. It's it's much easier to play defense with the lead. That's the simplest way I can, oh, I can make that same comment. I mean, <laughs> look no further than the Ravens this last week to the listeners here if you want to know that. Okay, so let's go back to the defense here a little bit. You mentioned the pass rush a little bit. Carl Lawson is very impressive to me, particularly against Villanueva in the Pittsburgh game. Seems to have had a pretty good year. A uh, little bit of a breakout for him because he had not been quite as productive. Had had good pass rusher, not a great pass rusher since he was drafted. So the big here's a couple of big things with him. Number one is injuries, and the Bengals got him in the fourth round because of injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think he had two ACLs in college, uh, so people were afraid of him. But like you could see it in college, like people knew, you know, when they drafted him, like, "Ooh, this is this is a guy if mm-hmm. he can stay healthy." And the Marvin Lewis approach to him was uh, less is more, and they they used him as a situational pass rusher. Um, and then even when he he was very he was productive in that role, and then coming into the next year, a lot of fans thought they were using more. And Marvin said, "Nope, we're not doing that. Less is more." And sure enough, they did it again. And really, in the in the first year with Zach Taylor, it was kind of the same thing that it was it was Carlos Dunlap, and Sam Hubbard was kind of the primary guy. And then third downs, here comes Lawson. Sam Hubbard kicks into the to the interior. Um, now. Like that was actually what what happened, you know. Like I said for the, the Ravens game, Lawson was doing pretty well against the run. He done pretty well against the run and pass uh, against the Eagles, uh, and they threw him in there and 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 they they bumped him up the depth chart and they've really made him an every down player. Ironically, uh, since he's been an every down player and played substantially more snaps this year, he also has been healthy uh, <laughs> and he's gonna play. He's gonna play the full uh, the full season for the first time in his career and he's been you know productive and good against the run so this is the sort of thing that always happens uh, to Bengals right when they get into that contract year of course uh, especially as a pass rusher is bound to make a ton of money uh but yeah I mean he's he, he's been good he's been solid but they really haven't had much opposite him uh Sam Hubbard I believe he actually got hurt in the in that Ravens game he was gone for for quite a while he's a technician and he's a he's a guy that they move around a lot uh and kind of create and they can scheme some opportunities for him for the most part last week um was a was an exception to that uh last week he was getting after it but he had a pretty good pretty good matchup there um so they haven't you know they've got Lawson but one guy's a little bit easier to to account for and without that that Carlos Dunlap guy uh on the other edge and without really anything on the interior uh, with with Geno Atkins being uh, you know not not around, I mean it, it, it's been tough for them to consistently generate any kind of pressure. Yeah, it's I you you can see them struggling with that. They certainly did a great job against the Steelers. How do you feel? Look, just looking at the Steelers here, this is a concern for Ravens fans going forward. You guys have seen them recently, but that Steelers offensive line 
is got to be one of the worst run-blocking offensive lines I can ever remember the Steelers having. DeCastro and Pouncey are a shadow of who they once were. Yeah, it's really weird. Um, And, you know, part of me... Part of me point, points to Munchak, and you know it's the same th- sort of thing. I mean, um, the first year that, that uh, Dante Scarnecchia retired from the Patriots for a year, and, and their offensive line got really bad. I apologize for using a lot of Patriots references, but I, I live I, I live in Rhode Island, so I see it all the time. Uh, you know, uh, you know, so that that offensive line, you know, couldn't get it done without the coach, and you know, now you get, um, uh, you know, now, now you get Munchak moving on, and. And this group doesn't really seem to be what they used to be. And it, I, honestly, like you looked at this, you looked at this uh, division before, and with Burrow coming in, and I, my opinion is fading a little bit on, on Baker Mayfield, but I like Baker Mayfield at one point, and obviously Lamar Jackson. Um, it was it was shaping up like, hey, three of these four teams, you know, have got their guy for mm-hmm. for the next several years. And then there was the Steelers, you know, who, who, you know, they've got an aging guy. But in, in in my head, it was like, all right, well, they're going to have that offensive line. They're going to have the defense, so they're going to be just fine. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of going the opposite way with that. And I, I think you know, with the offensive line, it's it's gone away from that. Uh, you know, they're not getting it done anymore. And, and with the defense, it's become a situation. Maybe again, the evolution of the league a little bit where. I think a, a defensive unit can really be a house of cards, and when one guy's out uh, for a couple of weeks, it can it can really shatter the unit. And we've seen that with uh, with the Steelers have have struggled with some different injuries, and obviously we've seen that with the with the Ravens when they've had some other guys out. Yeah, certainly the, the defensive linemen have hurt the Ravens. So let's let's talk a little bit maybe about the strength of the. Bengals defense, which is clearly a secondary at this point. Jesse Bates having a huge year, uh, but but William Jackson's having a big year too. So talk through those guys and and uh, and what you're seeing out of them in terms of growth. Well, uh, William Jackson, uh, another guy who's in a contract year, having a big year at a position where he's going to make a lot of money. So that's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jackson actually is also in the concussion protocol. He left last, last week's game, so uh, hoping to have him out there because really, I mean, they need him out there. Um, it's, it, it, it's tough when, when, when he's not out there. And uh, honestly, like the second he went out, the Texans started moving the ball a lot better last week. So, uh, you know, Jackson better, better man guy. Uh, but, but he can be, uh, he can be a, a top level corner. Like he plays at a, at a very high level. Um, they were supposed to have Trey Waynes opposite him. Trey Waynes has, has been out all season. Uh, I haven't seen him at all in a Bengals uniform and, Due to that fact, you know, in my opinion, they haven't had a true number two corner all year. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, you're good. You want me to repeat that? No, I I, I heard it just fine. So they haven't had a number two corner all year, and they've had good safety play. I think it, we would agree. Yes. Yep. Uh, so so they have a good good, good safety play, and I mean, really, uh, you know, Bates is incredible. Bates had one bad game, and it was really a bad tackling game. Uh, which is never going to be a strong suit, uh, but but you know week week two against the Browns, he missed a few tackles along with a lot of other guys that were missing tackles that week. Um, but yeah, I mean Bates, it, ridiculous Pro Bowl snub, uh, you know definitely one of the better better safeties in the league, um, and you know he's got to get on a better defense, and the team's got to win more more games, so people start noticing that. But uh, but but he's a serious playmaker. 
uh, at that position. Von Bell struggled in um, in the past game early in the year. Uh, he's a little bit more of a in the box guy, um, and and has done well, particularly as as like a cutback player coming down uh, in the run game. He has evolved uh, throughout the year, and he, he has been better. We've seen him in man-to-man situations with with some tight ends at times. We've seen him make more plays in the passing game as the years come along. So, uh, yeah, I feel pretty good about the about the safety position, uh, but the corner position, especially with uh, if if Jackson isn't able to go, uh, is a real problem. The next guy up there is Darius Phillips. To me, Darius Phillips is like a perfect fourth corner. Like I, I just don't think he should be a, a starting corner. I think he's a great fourth corner because he can play all the spots, um, and and he can fill in. And then beyond that, once uh, you know, once Jackson went out, they brought Lashawn Sims in, and Lashawn Sims is is a pretty big liability in there. Uh, so you can d- down that deep uh, into really your your fifth corner when we're counting Mackenzie Alexander the nickel in there, um, and and that's a big time problem for him. All right, let me ask a question as it pertains to the Ravens here because the Ravens, what's been great about the offense the last four weeks, one of the things is you can see the opposing defenses struggling with the man versus zone dilemma against Jackson. If you play zone defense, he'll pick you apart. Uh, Loves to throw to the tight ends, loves to throw play action, do all the things that, that can beat zone defense very effectively. If you play man defense, he becomes an enormous scramble risk every single play. And he's run the Ravens out of a number of pressures and into big scramble plays in these last few weeks in particular. They've had to adjust offensive line scoring because of it. Uh, but anyway, he's, how do you expect the Bengals, who have traditionally had some of the most problems in containing Lamar, to deal with him this time around? Do you think it'll be more man or zone? Um, I'd say uh, you know zone and, and really match zone concepts. I think they did a pretty good job of that last time that – you would see when uh, well, Jesse Bates said after the game, you know, we, we knew their pass game was about 89 and 15. Uh, and you could see that on the film that if, if Andrews or, or Hollywood were going deep, like they were getting on him and usually they were bracketing them with a couple of guys. So um, I, I think it's, a, you know, personally, any type of option offense, running quarterback, you know, to me, you, you, you've got to have, uh, you've got to be playing uh, mostly zone against that. Um, but yeah, I think they can. Uh, they'll they'll match zone and match up on those guys, uh, particularly in those spots. Uh, Andrews up the seams, things along those lines, where they where they're worried about getting hit. All right. Uh, is there one player you think matches up well against the Ravens this time around? I mean, I think I think Bates is a pretty good matchup because uh, you know I think some of those deeper balls hang up there a little bit, and 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 he's a pretty good ball hawk, and he might be able to. Uh, to to steal one here or there, so um, I would I would definitely look for for him and you know be on the watch out for him to to make a big play in the pass game. Yeah, no doubt about it. I would have that on that armband he wears. Find thirty on every play, the way they some quarterbacks did it for Ed Reed and Brady in particular. But but anyway, I I, I do think keeping the ball away from Bates will be an absolutely critical thing for this game. Matt, appreciate having you on the on the uh, show so much. Uh, tell us where people can find your work and your Twitter handle. Yeah, so uh, on Twitter, I'm at Coach Minnick. Uh, pretty much all my stuff gets gets posted there. Uh, I do uh, uh, Bengals uh, videos, uh, breakdown videos for SB Nation's Bengals channel. That's uh, Cincy Jungle. Um, so you can you can find that stuff on YouTube uh, and uh, do a little podcasting for for them as well, which is uh, which is available on uh, iTunes. 
All right. Outstanding. Certainly one of the best guests league wide. And I, I we're so lucky to have the really good ones on this show, uh, analysts from each team. And, and you're right in that group. We really appreciate you coming on, Matt. Want to point people to filmstudybaltimore.com. Got some great new visuals out there in the gallery section, offensive line charts, but also some great stuff to show uh, ample time and space, ball out quick and pressure uh Differences by game. You hear me talking about those things on the on the offensive pod, but if you look there, you'll have some nice division that'll give you a visual kind of sense of it and how it's trended for the year. Uh, Matt, again, thanks for joining us. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool Washer with industry-first 2-in-1 removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.